Hey friends, this is Pastor Brian Worth. Thanks for listening to my latest sermon. Get more of my teachings on YouTube at Chapel of Change TV and tune in every Sunday on the radio on 99.5 FM for fresh hope. give the Lord another hand praise. Good to see everybody today as we release the youth with Coach Kenny. If you're a young person in the house, you're released. Uh, I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to John chapter 15. John chapter 15 verse 1 and 2 is going to be our focus for our study this afternoon. As you're turning there, a couple special announcements to make. Uh, men, tomorrow night at, at 6.30 at our Carson campus, we have our Kingsmen gathering. So all the men, I encourage you to come out. Pastor Terry is going to be cooking some barbecue. And if you know anything about that brother, he's a, he is obsessed with cooking good barbecue. It's all free. So come on down tomorrow night at our Carson campus at 6.30. Also tonight at 4.30 uh, at our Carson campus, we're having a special guest, one of our um, superintendents is going to come and minister the word. I encourage you to come on out and get your faith energized. So uh, be, be encouraged about that. And today we should be passing out some small church flyers as you leave. Uh, the ushers should be passing them out. I want to encourage you to get a couple. It has our information for our Paramount location uh, and put it in your pocket or your purse or your wallet and let God use you to invite somebody to the house of the Lord. Uh, on the flyer, uh, there is a scan code uh, that, a, a, a scan code that if you scan it, they could watch a short version of my testimony. So I encourage you to get a couple of these and let God use you uh, to, to bring somebody to the house of the Lord. Let somebody say amen. Now, as we approach the Word of God today, uh, in John chapter 15, verse 1 and 2, I want to remind you that this is uh, the night that Jesus is going to be arrested. It is the night before he's going to be slaughtered on the cross, and he turns around and he gives these last lessons uh, to his disciples and to all those who are listening. So let me read the scripture, and we'll jump into our learning this afternoon. Hear the word of the Lord. Jesus says, I am the true vine. Someone say true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Someone say vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Someone say takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Now, as we approach this word today, I want you to notice that here Jesus identifies four groups of people. He identifies the true vine, which is Jesus. He identifies the vine dresser, which is the father. He identifies the unfruitful branches, which are 
false disciples, and then he identifies the fruitful branches, which are true disciples. So there's four groups of people in this passage that Jesus identifies, and one of the things that he brings out in this passage is the role of the Father in our life. And listen to what he says. He says, the Father uh, takes away every branch that does not bear fruit. The Father takes away every branch that does not bear fruit. Now that, that, that phrase is filled with tension. That phrase is filled with drama. Like uh, when, I, when I read that text about the Father takes away unfruitful branches. It, it makes me think. It makes me uh, wonder. It kind of gives pause to my heart. What, what is he referring to when he says the Father takes away unfruitful branches? What, who is he talking about when he says the Father takes away unfruitful branches? Who is he talking about? We're going to dive into that this afternoon. Well, in the immediate context, when he talks about the Father takes away unfruitful branches, he is referring to Judas. Someone say Judas. Uh, I want to remind you that at this time, Jesus just came from the, the, the Last Supper where he gathered all his disciples around and he, he, uh, he reveals that Judas is the one that is going to betray him. You remember Judas, right? Judas is the one who followed Jesus like the other disciples. He's, he's, he's the one that watched Jesus do miracles like the other disciples. Jesus worshiped with, or Judas worshiped with Jesus like the other disciples. But Judas was an unfruitful disciple that betrayed Jesus and would eventually be taken away. He'd be taken away. And at this time, Jesus just comes from the Last Supper. It was actually in the Last Supper where Jesus identifies who is the one that's going to betray him. It was in the Last Supper that Jesus tells the disciples that one of you is going to betray me. For example, listen to this in John 13, verse 21. Listen to what it says. It says, after he had said this, Jesus was troubled in spirit and testified, Verily, truly, I tell you, one of you is going to betray me. This is at the Last Supper. He's gathering his disciples together. And he says, one of you is going to betray me. And you know what one of the Gospels says? One of the Gospels says that all of the disciples looked at Jesus and said, Lord is it I? Lord, is it I? In other words, they knew that they had skeletons in their closet and that everybody had the potential to betray Jesus. They said, Lord, is it I? And then Jesus goes on in verse 26. Just listen to this. Jesus answered, it is the one to whom I will give the piece of bread when I have dipped it in the dish then dipping the piece of bread, 
he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. He identifies. One of y'all are going to deceive me. The person I give the bread to, he's the one. And he gives it to Judas. Can't you imagine the disciples sweating it out? Can't you imagine the disciples thinking, here it was. One who walked with Jesus is going to betray him, Judas. Now, as we think about Judas this afternoon, Judas was the prototype false disciple. He was the prototype false disciple, meaning he was the, the, the arch example of a false disciple. You remember Judas, he walked with Jesus, but he didn't possess Jesus. You remember Judas, he professed Jesus, but he didn't possess Jesus. He witnessed Jesus, but he didn't hold on to Jesus. He didn't cling on to Jesus. He was a prototype, false disciple. And now Jesus is warning us of the Judas branches amongst us. He's warning us about the Judas branches amongst us. Now, before we get deeper into our study today, I want to give a disclaimer so you, no one misinterprets me, okay? Jesus does not highlight Judas so that we can be fruit inspectors on everybody. Are you following along? Jesus didn't highlight Judas so that we could go along and, and be fruit inspectors in everybody's life. Nor did Jesus identify Judas so that we could start calling other people Judas. Are you following along? Because some of y'all are going to misinterpret me and I don't want to see no posts on Facebook calling somebody a Judas. Are you following along? But Ju Jesus warns us about the Judas branches so that we are not shocked when they, when they pop up among us. So that we are not taken by surprise when we see that many of them get taken away. Or remember, God says in the last days that there will be people that fall away from the truth. And so Jesus warns us so that we're not shocked. So that we're not alarmed. Are you following along? He also warns us about the Judas branch so that we might not be one of them. Hello? Remember the disciples when Jesus told them, one of y'all are going to betray me? And all of them looked at Jesus and said, is it I, Lord? Is it I? In other words, they knew they had skeletons in their closet, that every one of them had the potential to portray Jesus. That's why we got to regularly come to the altar and say, Lord, search my heart, God. Lord, cleanse me of my sin. Don't allow me to be an unfruitful branch. So Jesus warns us so that we might not be a Judas branch. Jesus doesn't want you being carried away. Jesus doesn't want you being carried away in sin. He doesn't want you being carried away in disobedience. He doesn't want you being carried away through deception or even sorrow. So he warns us, hey, Judas branches, they're here. And so in our study today, I recognize that we're going to get more ouches than amen. So you're invited. If you can't say amen, say ouch. 
because we're going to be focusing on what are the characteristics of a Judas branch. What are the characteristics of a Judas branch? Why do we need to know this so that we don't become one? Why do we need to know this so that we're not shocked by them? What are the characteristics of a Judas branch? The first thing that I will identify is that Judas refused to change. He refused to change. Where do I get that from? Well, Jesus said in John 15 that it is the unfruitful branch that is carried away. The unfruitful branch. What does fruit mean? Fruit refers to evidence of a changed life. Fruit refers to evidence of a changed life. When you, are, when you are experiencing transformation, you bear fruit in your life. Remember Galatians chapter 5, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering. By the way, I'm teaching a study on the fruit of the Spirit on Tuesday nights at our Long Beach campus. Why? Because we want to bear fruit. That God comes looking at everybody who is a recipient of the mercy of God, who is a recipient of the grace of God. He comes looking for fruit. So when Jesus said that this unfruitful branch, he's talking about that Judas refused to change. Didn't want to change. Now think about this with me. Judas spent three years with Jesus. Judas was with Jesus when he healed the people. Judas saw Jesus heal the blind man. Judas saw Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead. Judas heard the greatest sermons in all of history. Judas was there on Mount uh, of olives when Jesus taught the greatest sermon in all of history the Beatitudes he saw he sat under the teaching of the greatest preacher in all of history and yet he refused to allow what he saw to change him he refused to allow what he heard to change him he was there he saw and he heard he did not allow that to, to, to take root in his soul to transform him. Let me show you a scripture. I believe it's in John when it talks about Jesus choosing the disciples. I believe it's John chapter 6. Listen to this. I want to point this out in John uh, chapter 6. Verse 70. Let me point this out and follow along with me. This is towards the beginning of when Jesus chose the 12 disciples. And look at what he says. Jesus answered them, Did not I choose you, the 12, and one of you was a devil? What? That is hard saying. How many know every now and then Jesus gave a hard saying? That's a hard saying right there. Listen to what he says. Did not I choose you, the twelve, and one of you is a devil? And he spoke of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. What? Think about this with me. Judas started 
as a devil. And he spent three years with Jesus, and yet he still died a devil. Someone say, ouch. Jesus, Judas started off a devil. He spent three years with Jesus, watched him commit miracles, heard him preach the greatest sermons in all of history, and yet he still died a devil. Wow. What's, what's the takeaway? Like, what's, what's the takeaway from that? What's the lesson in that? I'll tell you what the lesson is. It's not enough just to be where Jesus is. I'll tell you what the lesson is. It's not enough just to hear the gospel preach. I'll tell you what the lesson is. It's not enough just to be associated with other believers. You must allow the word of God to sink deep in your heart and transform you. You must allow the, the power of God to sink deep in your heart and transform you. Listen, Christianity is about a freer you. Christianity is about a delivered you. Christianity is about a healed you. Christianity is about a whole you. Judas, he rejected change. He rejected change. And God forbid that we sit in this church where the Holy Spirit marks us week after week God forbid that we sit in this church and the word of God is delivered week after week. And God forbid the power of God is in front of us week after week. And yet we never change. Listen, you ain't going to be able to call me on judgment day. When you stand before God and God says, how come you ain't been transformed as I, as I, as I helped you out to be? You ain't going to be able to call me because if I get called, I'm going to tell God, run back to tape. Run back to tape. I was there in June something on that day when they came to church and the worship team ushered in the presence of the Lord. And the preacher opened up the word of God. You ain't going to be able to use me. I'm going to say, run back to tape, God. They, they had their opportunity. So we got to allow the word to seep deep in our heart. And we got to allow the, the power of God to transform us. That when God convicts us, don't run from that conviction. Don't run, but embrace it and allow God to transform you in the name of the Lord Jesus. What is the... What is the characteristic of a Judas branch? The second thing I would point out to you is that Judas considered worship wasteful. Judas considered worship wasteful. In Mark chapter 14, I'm just going to tell you the story that happens and listen uh, to how it unfolds. There's a lady in Mark 14. She is so grateful to God that she takes an, uh, the most valuable thing in her house, which is an alabaster box full of valuable perfume, and she takes this valuable uh, item, and she finds Jesus, 
and she, she is so grateful to Jesus that the Bible says she breaks the box over Jesus' head so that the oil, the perfume, can run down Jesus' head. She pours the oil, the perfume, the value perfume over Jesus' head, and that's an act of worship. It's an act of sacrifice. It's an act of sacrifice. It's an act of worship. This lady was so grateful to God that she takes the most valuable thing in her home and she brings it to Jesus and she pours it over his head as an act of worship in Mark chapter 14. And it's fascinating because in verse 4, Judas, as one of them that was there, he responds and he says, why this waste of perfume? In verse 4, he says, why this waste of perfume? See, she thought she was doing something great for the Lord, which she was. She poured out valuable worship on Jesus' head that was worship. But Judas thought that her worship was wasteful. He says in verse 4, why this waste of perfume? Here, here's the lesson. Don't ever... Allow yourself to come to a place where you consider worship time wasteful time. Don't ever allow your mind to slip into a place where you consider worship time wasteful time. Don't ever allow your mind to slip into a place where you think you could skip worship. Praise is not an optional thing in the kingdom of God. Praise is not a secondary thing in the kingdom of God. Praise is not a side thing in the kingdom of God. Praise is not like french fries on your dinner plate where you could take it or leave it. No, praise is part of the main meal in the kingdom of God. It doesn't matter your background or your experience. Praise is a Bible thing. Praise is a Bible thing. Thing. The Bible says in Psalms 47, verse 1, he sa it says, Come, everyone, clap your hands, shout to God with joyful praise. Just come, everyone, clap your hands, shout to God with joyful praise. That sounds like a loud church to me. In Psalms 150, verse 3, it says, praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and the lyre. Praise him with the timbrel and the dancing. Praise him with the strings and the pipe. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with the resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. That sounds like a loud church to me. That sounds like a church that, that has a revelation of God's mercy upon their life. That, that sounds like a body of believers that understands the love of God. That sounds like some followers of Jesus that value that, that what God has done in their life. I really, really believe that no matter what your background is, if you get a revelation of God's mercy upon your life, there's going to be some form of physical response. 
There should be some form of physical response. That's why the Bible says clap unto the Lord. That's why the Bible says shout unto the Lord. That's why the Bible says dance unto the Lord. Those are physical responses to the mercy and grace of God. I encourage people, listen, pray to God, Lord, open up my eyes to your mercy. Open up to my eyes to, to your grace. Listen, you never waste your praise when you pour it on Jesus. You never waste your praise when you pour it on Jesus. You never waste your worship, your time when you pour it on Jesus. He's the greatest thing to clap your hands for. Jesus is the greatest thing to use your emotions for. Jesus is the greatest thing to get loud over. If there's anything in this world to get loud over, listen, it's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. And so I encourage us, church, every time we gather together, don't be shy. Every time we gather together, don't hold back. If you can't clap, stop your feet. If you can't stop your feet, uh, twitch your eyes. Do something in response to the grace of God upon your life. Show them that you're grateful. Show them that you're, you have a heart of gratitude. Judas, he considered worship wasteful. What is the characteristic of a Judas branch? Here's the last one. Judas was okay with giving God something, but not everything. He was okay. Let's give God something, you know. By the way, he, he chose us, so we might as well give God something. He, he let us walk with him, so we might as well give God something. He was okay. With giving God something, but not everything. Mm-mm. He didn't want to give God everything. Let me read to you this situation in John 12, verse 4. Just listen to how it plays out. In John 12, verse 4, listen to this. It says, but one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? Thus he said, this he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the money box. And he used to take what was put in it. He used to take what was put in it. He used to take what was put in it. Don't you ever take what belongs to God. He would take what was given to God. And no doubt he also put some stuff in that money jar. No doubt. He said, let me just give something to the Lord. By the way, he chose us. He allowed us to walk with him. Let me just give him something. And then he ends up taking back what he gave to the Lord. Listen, he was okay with giving God something, but not everything. And I want to remind us today that God is not pleased with half-hearted Christianity. I want to remind us today that God is not pleased with half-hearted praise. He's not pleased with half-hearted worship. God rejects partial commitment. God rejects 
partial commitment. That over and over in the word of the Lord, it teaches us, if you're going to step to God, you better bring him everything. You better not hold back nothing because he rejects partial commitment. Over and over, the scripture warns us of this in Matthew 22, verse 37. The Lord says, love the Lord your God with all, someone say all, with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. That's everything right there. That's everything right there. God is not pleased with half-hearted Christianity. In Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, God says, bring the whole tithe. Someone say whole tithe. The whole tithe into the house of the Lord. God teaches, if you're going to step to me, you better not step to me in partiality. You better come to me with all you got. In Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5, listen to what it says. Trust in the Lord with all, someone say all, with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding in all your ways. Circle that word. All your ways, in all your ways, submit to him. In all your ways, submit to him. This is how you become a kingdom woman. You become a kingdom woman when you submit everything about your life to God. Not just the hurting parts. This is how you become a kingdom man. Is when you submit your whole life to God. Not just the out of control areas of your life, but you submit everything to God. All your ways you submit to him. That's how we become kingdom people. When we submit everything about us to the lordship of Jesus Christ. You want to know where the power is at in the kingdom of God? It's when you give God everything. You want to know where the joy is at in the kingdom of God? It's when you give God everything. You want to know where the miracles are at? You want to experience a miracle from God? You want to know where the miracles are at in the kingdom of God? It's when you say, God, if I have it, you could have it. If I got it, you could have it. God, you could have everything. You could have, you could have my, my dreams. You could have my relationships. You could have my money. You could have my desires. God, you could have everything. That's where the miracles are at, is when we come to a place and you say, Lord, if I got it, you have it. Judas wasn't with all that. He was okay with giving a little bit. God, I got to hold on. And thus, he was unfruitful. And eventually, he was carried away. I remember when I was 18 years old, beginning to serve the Lord in prison while doing a life sentence. As I began to serve the Lord, God began to give me dreams about my future freedom. I remember God began to put in my heart that one day I was going to get married. I remember God put upon my heart that one day I was going to have a family. I remember God put it upon my heart that one day I was going to have a home. One day I was going to have a meaningful career. One day I was going to preach the gospel around the world. 
I remember when I first started to serve the Lord, I was 18 years old, and I was in prison doing a life sentence, and God began to give me these dreams about my future, about my freedom, and I remember I used to write it down, God, uh, one day I'm going to be married, one day I'm going to have a home, one day I'm going to have a family, one day I'm going to have a meaningful career, one day I'm going to preach the gospel around the world. Those were my dreams. I remember taping it to my bunk, and Every time I got discouraged, I would refer to my dream. Every time I got distracted, I would refer back to the dream. And as, as many of you know, about 10 years later, I went before the parole board. I got granted a release date, but the governor blocked it. And for four or five consecutive years after that, the parole board and the governor would play ping pong with my life. The parole board would give me a pro date, the governor will block it. The pro will give me a pro date, the governor will block it. I remember when I was 31 years old, I had been in prison for 15 years at that time, and I still had the dreams. I was still holding on to the dreams, and I remember the governor blocked my release again, and it was the first time I was truly discouraged, not at my situation, but at God. It was the first time I was Angry, not at my situation, but at God. And I would think in my mind, I was saying, God, you're the one that gave me these dreams. God, you're the one that put this in my heart. I didn't, you're the one that, that gave it to me, God. You're the one that said I could have this. You're the one that said this is a possibility in your life. And I remember I got mad at God. And I didn't verbalize my anger because I was too afraid of God. But I sure enough said it in my mind. God, you're the one. Now, it feels like you've abandoned me. It feels like you're a million miles away, and I'll never forget. I walked around the prison yard. I was 31 years old. I remember discouraged. What was I going to do? My dad was getting older. Uh, things were, like, getting harder. God, what am I going to do? You gave me these dreams, and I'll never forget. I walk into the church. I walk into the chapel, and I approach an altar like this, and I'll never forget. I came to the altar at the age age of 31 years old and I fell on my knees and I gave my dreams back to God. I laid down my dreams back to God and I told God, Lord, it doesn't matter anymore. If I go home or if I die in prison, I'm going to worship you no matter what. I'm going to praise you no matter what. I'm going to serve you no matter what, I gave the dreams that God gave me back to him. Here, God. I'm here to testify. Within a year of giving God's dreams back to him, the Lord God Almighty set me free from prison. And today, by his grace, I'm living the dreams that God placed in my heart. And I believe that there was a shift in my life when I came to the altar and I gave it to him all. Even that which he gave to me, I give it back to him. And I don't know what you're holding on to today. I don't know what you're trying to hold close to your heart. 
But the word for somebody today, it's time to give it back to God. It's time to give it to the Lord. My prayer is that we don't be the Judas branch. That we allow the Spirit of the Lord and the Word of the Lord to take root in our heart and transform us. That we never consider worship time, wasteful time. And that we are a people that are willing to give everything to God. Give Him everything and watch Him do His miracles in our life. Let's bow our heads in the presence of the Lord. With every head bowed and every eye closed, just for a couple moments as the worship team comes back up. I want us to really think about what God was saying to us through this word. What was God trying to get across to us? What was he saying to you? Are there any areas that the Lord mentioned that in our life we're out of alignment? That we need to line back up? Any areas in our life that we need to line back up? Just for a couple of moments, as the worship team just sings lightly a chorus in the background, let us think upon the word of the Lord. This is a very important part of our time together. Will everybody remain seated, focused on the Lord? Let's reflect upon his word. out and every eye closed. If you're in the house today and you feel that the Lord is convicted of you of something in your life that is out of line with his will, out of line with his word, out of line with his plan for your life, and that you need to make an alteration today. You need to allow the Lord to alter you today. If there's anybody in here that needs to repent from something. I want to just lead you in a prayer, a simple prayer of repentance. But if that is you, I call you to respond to God just by standing up on your feet. If you need to repent from something that the Lord has brought to your attention through the preaching of God's word, just stand on your feet today. Stand on your feet. We'll wait. Everybody else remain in the atmosphere of prayer. Everybody remain in the atmosphere of prayer. Hallelujah, Lord. I see you. I see you. You need to repent. 
maybe you haven't been transforming. Maybe you haven't allowed God to change you as He expects. Maybe you've had a low view of worship. Maybe you've thought worship is just a side thing. Maybe you've been holding on to something. Maybe there's something in your life that you're not willing to give up to God. If that's you, stand on your feet. It's time to get right with God. repentance and then after we pray I want us to sing that song as just as a, a moment to seal this moment but if you stood up you're willing to repent say this prayer for me with me Lord God I am sorry please forgive me I have messed up right now those that stood up I want you to identify that thing that you're repenting from you don't have to say it out loud but just say it between you and God identify it if it's if you're not willing to change if you haven't been changed just say that Lord I haven't been willing to change just identify what it is you need to repent from and I'm gonna pick up leading you in prayer in a moment just identify confess it before the Lord right now Say this prayer with me. Lord God, I am sorry. Forgive me, Lord. Cleanse me, Lord. Help me, Lord, to follow you. Help me, Lord, to change. Help me, Lord, to worship. And help me, Lord, to give you everything. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Now let me pray for everybody. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for those who stood up. Father, in the name of Jesus, don't let them go, Lord God. Don't let them be taken away, Father God, in Jesus' name. But I pray that your power transform them. I pray that you give them a greater appreciation for change. I pray that you give them a greater appreciation for worship, Lord God. I pray that you give them a greater appreciation to give them all, give their all heart to you, Lord God. Help us, Father. Help us, Lord. Help us all. Help us all, Lord God, not to be a Judas branch. Help us not to be a Judas branch, Lord God. Help us, Lord, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Let's seal this moment. We'll worship everybody. Let's, let's sing this song unto the Lord. Our voice to the Lord.
Come on, somebody, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, somebody. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Let's welcome Joshua. Amen. 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 So in a moment, we are going to take up this afternoon's tithes and offerings. But let's first take account to the book of Proverbs, chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. The human author of the book of Proverbs, King Solomon, was one of the most honored men to walk the earth. He was also known to be the richest man to walk the earth. The Lord granted him superior wisdom and knowledge, and from that came sincere honor and respect from all who heard him throughout the Middle East. Historians say that queen, the Queen of Sheba, who brought King Solomon an abundance of gold, spices, and fine jewels, traveled 1,500 miles just to ask him questions and to visit him. Solomon knew a thing or two about honor. And knowing that, we see that he wrote this. So Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 and 10 states, Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all of your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Amen. We see here that giving to the Lord is an act of honor. It is a way of thanking God for all that he has done and all the things he has provided in our lives. He supplies all our needs by his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And the least we can do is honor him with the first fruits of our increase. But that is not the end of the verse. The Lord says, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. What an amazing thing. If you honor God with your finances and stay faithful to him, he will bless you financially and until your vats overflow. So let's honor God this afternoon and give into his kingdom. Amen. So a couple ways that we can give, we have offering boxes and a debit machine that is in the lobby over there as I call the ushers up. You guys may come up. We also, you can also give online through www.chapelofchange.org, and you may give by mail, and there's a QR code that will pop up on the screen that will shoot you right to our giving link. And a couple of announcements, on July 2nd, we will have child dedication. You may sign up through the lobby. We also will have our membership seminar on July 9th. And those sign-up sheets are also in the lobby. We also have Thursday is our school of prayer that is continuing, by, led by Pastor Laura. Amen. And we also have Impact Young Adults this Wednesday. So if you're a young adult, I challenge you to keep coming. I challenge you to be connected because God is still moving. We're in a spiritual, fiery momentum right now. Amen. Let us all pray for our tithes and offerings. Lord, we thank you, Jesus. We come to you today to honor you in your house. We present our tithes and our offerings to you as a gift and sacrifice of honor. And we believe that you will bless us and that our barns will be filled with plenty. Our vats will overflow. We stand on your word and act in faith, Lord. And we thank you, God, just for another opportunity, Lord, just to learn even more about you, God. Lord, we thank you for the finances that you have blessed us with. Lord, we thank you just for being that Jehovah Jireh for us, Lord, for being our provider, Lord, for being that rock. Lord, as we give this tithe to you and this offering to you, Lord, Lord, we ask that you bring a miracle and testimony from it, Lord. Lord, we ask that you bring a sevenfold blessing, Holy Spirit. Lord, we ask that you use 
are our harvest, Lord. We ask that you use that to bring deliverance and salvation to many, Lord, that many may be healed through this, Lord. We ask that you increase our domain as a church, Lord. We thank you, God, for using us. In Jesus' name, amen. feet. Again, if you're free at 430, we invite you to our Carson campus. Guest speaker, Superintendent Mike Wilson will bless us tonight. I want to call our pastors and leaders to the altar. If you need extra prayer after we dismiss, you're welcome to the altar and someone will pray for you. Uh, but it's our tradition to close out with a blessing. Don't ever leave without receiving your blessing for the week. So let's lift up our hands unto the Lord and we'll pronounce a blessing over your life. In the name of the Father, who loves you with an endless love. In the name of the Son, who died that you could live. In the name of the Holy Spirit, who makes you fruitful. May you go this week with the protection and the blessing of the Lord. In Jesus' name, God bless you. Hope to see you Thursday night. Go in peace.